Hi, my name is Rhett Barden, and I'm the lead pastor of One Life Church, and I want to thank you for joining us today. At One Life Church, we exist to help you know God, find freedom, discover your purpose, and make a difference. For more information on how you can be a part, please visit us online at olc.church. Enjoy the message. Good morning, everyone. It is so good to see you today. Welcome to One Life Church. It's an honor to have you with us. If I've not had the opportunity to introduce myself, my name is Rhett, and it's the honor, really, and privilege of my life to get to be the lead pastor of what I believe is one of the greatest churches on the planet. Can I get an amen if you believe that? Uh, So anyway, it's just good to welcome you today. We are closing out a series today called Voice of a Shepherd, but before I tell you more about that, I want to look into the camera, and I want to welcome our online church family. Everybody in the room today, throw your hands together and welcome our online church family today. Let them know how much you love them. Yeah, it is so good to have you with us. However you found us, we're glad that you're along for the ride. I know many of you are probably already out, got the RV out, you're in the camper, you're out fishing. I know you got our phone pulled up right there to the side and you're watching. And we just want to say thank you so much for joining us. It is great probably to be outdoors, but can I hear a good amen from those in the room? It's just a little bit better in the room. Amen. Everybody is so, we have a lot of fun here at the Civic Center. So if you have not had the opportunity to, to meet with us and come and hang out, man, we want to welcome you. We can't wait to have the opportunity to fist bump you, high five, whatever you're comfortable with. We even give you a hug, okay, because you're family. But we look forward to the opportunity to meet you one day uh, right here at the Civic Center. How many of you know spring has sprung in Idaho, everybody? Come on. Like 70 degree weather. It's beautiful. The sun is shining, and I'm a happy southern boy right now, right? Because it is just so good to be back outside. Uh, in fact, my son and I, we went and spent a little bit of time at the Green Belt. I have lived here four years, and I've not even gone down there to experience the beauty of the Green Belt around the Boise River. And uh, we rode our bikes pretty much all day. And I'm a white boy and I don't wear sunscreen and I'm paying for it. Can I just say amen? So if you see like a red glow coming off the platform today, it's not because of anything crazy. It's just because I didn't wear sunscreen, okay? Uh, But it is good to be back outside. But enough of that. We've got a special guest today with us. In fact, he's not a special guest. He's really family. Uh, We have Pastor Danny Schultz in the house all the way from Spokane, Washington and Sun City Church going to be closing out the message today. In fact, Pastor Danny is, uh, like I said, he's not a guest. He's a dear friend. He's been a part of the journey of One Life Church from the very beginning. I mean, back when I was still living in Alabama, we were talking and building relationship. In fact, many of you probably in the room or even joining us online are part of our church today because of the relationship that you've had with the Schultz family. In fact, uh, his wife, Jamie, helps him co-lead alongside them together, an amazing church in the Pacific Northwest. And it really is an honor to have him with us today. In fact, would you do this? The Bible teaches us to show honor, and it really is an honor to have you with us today. Can we throw our hands together today and welcome Pastor Danny, all the way from Spokane, to help us today. What's going on, One Life? You guys doing good? It's good to be with you. It's always my honor. I think I've been here with you four or five times and just love, love getting to worship together with you and, and uh, just lift up Jesus, right? He's, he's the same God here in Nampa as he is in Spokane. He's the same God that we read about in the scripture throughout all of the decades and the generations. He's the same one. And so I just, I just love the feeling of, man, there's churches everywhere all around the world um, lifting his name and worshiping him and singing together. And it's just going to be uh, going to be so wonderful to be here with you today. I love this series that you're in, and uh, I sure love your pastors. How many guys appreciate Pastor Rhett, Pastor Linda, all that they do for our family here at One Life? Can we give them some love? Tell them thank you so much. 
Well, they are awesome, and we're just uh, great friends, and what we love about them is they love people so well. They have such a high value for love and honor and just caring for people. So if you haven't got to introduce yourself to them, I would just encourage you to get connected and, and meet your pastor, some of the best pastors that I know. Uh, I love this series that you're in. Um, the voice of the shepherd. It's so important to know the mission of One Life Church is to help people know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference. And uh, it's not just the mission of One Life. It's actually Jesus' mission for his church. Jesus wants his church to help every person come to know him and get freedom from all of the pain and the bondage that comes on us as we're born into sin. He wants us to get free of all that so we can discover why it is that God put us on the planet and then set forth and make a difference in life. Amen? Like, this is what this church is all about. If you haven't uh, got to learn about that, we just encourage you to go to the Discover class and really understand, like, this is what we're about and why that we're gathering. But I love it. It's so much bigger than just this church. It's God's plan that you see throughout all of Scripture. And in fact, we use that same language up at Sun City Church where I pastor. We, we exist to do the same things. And one of the questions that we've been asking um, as we've been walking through the last couple years is how do we know when we've done each of those things? Like, how do we know if we're actually making a difference? How do we know if we've discovered our purpose? How do we know if we've actually found freedom? How do we know if we know God? And I want to talk about that, that one today. How, how do we know if we know God? Like, like what's, the, what's the distinctive factor What's the, what's the marking point? What, what is it that we can say with confidence, no, I know that I know him? Is it because I choose to go to church on Sunday? Is that how I know I know God? Because I go, I go to church or if I, 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 I take part in a service. And, um, or is it because I, I like Christian music and I can memorize some of the words to the songs? Or is it because I grew up a Christian and that's how my family was and I know I'm not like a Buddhist or a Muslim or something else? Like I, I call myself a Christian, so therefore I know God. Uh, maybe, maybe it's about Bible knowledge. Like if I memorize some scriptures, does that mean I know God? Or is it because I had an experience? I raised my hand in a church service or said a certain prayer. Uh, there's a lot of things that people would point to to be a distinguishing mark on the fact that they could know with confidence, do they know God? But I could say like almost all of those things that I listened, in fact, all of them, you could do those things and not really know the Lord. You could memorize a scripture. You could go uh, into a service. You could pray a prayer. You could raise a hand. None of those things are necessarily pointers to the fact that you know God. And I want to just submit this idea for consideration since it's the conversation really that we've been having for the last three weeks together as a church. I want to submit this idea to you. I'll just say it this way. I can be confident that I know God as I live a lifestyle where I hear God's voice and I do what he says. This is how I can know that I know him. I hear his voice and I do what he says. This is why I'm so excited that Pastor Rhett is leading you through this, this series, the voice of the shepherd. What does it look like to, to know the voice of God and follow after him? And I know for me, um, over the last couple of years, something just started stirring deep down within me. I don't know if it was walking through all the craziness with COVID or or what it was, but I meet with a group of guys and I started to just show up to these meetings. And what we do at this group is we just share what it is that God is showing us out of scriptures. We read our Bible every single week. We, it's kind of an accountability group to talk about that. And I remember just every week showing back up with these guys and just sharing the same idea. Like, I just want to be somebody that hears God's voice. I just want to be someone that hears it 
and then applies it to my life and lives it out. That's all I want. It seems like no matter what I was reading in the Bible, that was just the theme that the Lord was bringing up again and again and again and again. And uh, just became this overwhelming desire for me. And I just want you to, to think about this. If you're somebody that's been following the Lord and you would say like, man, I know the voice of the Lord. The, the voice of God is the place of satisfaction in our life. Like, like more than what we eat or what we drink or when we rest or other needs in life, when we hear the voice of God, it's that place of like, oh, God, this is real and you're meeting me right here. I love how Jesus says, as he's quoting out of Deuteronomy, he says, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. He's actually saying like our very sustenance, our satisfaction in life doesn't come from what we eat in the natural. It comes from receiving his word in our spirit. My life itself is connected to hearing the voice of God. His voice is the place of love and the place of peace and the place of power. And when God reveals himself to us, it's really what moves things forward in life. I was thinking about how um, every big move that I've had in my life, I wanted it to be around God showing up and speaking to me and leading me, not just me taking a stab at it. You know what I'm saying? I I was thinking about how um, I didn't want to just marry any cute girl out there. I wanted God to show me um, which girl he wanted me to start to date and get engaged to and get married someday. Because I knew that marriage wasn't just going to be a honeymoon phase, but there was going to be an after honeymoon phase. Come on, somebody. <laughs> like, like I was planning on getting married and being married uh, until I pass away or until Sue passes away. I'm on this thing for life. And I know there's going to be some mountaintops, but I also know there's going to be some valleys. And I don't want to look back and go like, yeah, well, she was cute. And so, you know, we just made it happen. I want to look back and go like, no, God called me into this thing. And I'm going to pay whatever cost I need to pay to make sure we walk together and work through challenges and problems because this isn't just a Danny decision. This is a God decision. Come on, somebody. Like, that's, that's really big. When, when it came to the moves in my life, when I moved cities, um, I didn't want to just kind of pick a city because it looked cute or awesome. Even moving to Spokane, you know, we moved from Nampa to Spokane to start Sun City Church a little over eight years ago. And um, we were praying about a lot of different cities. And there were some places that I really wanted to live. One was called San Diego, California. I was like, Lord... <laughs> There's some beautiful beaches and everybody wears shorts and vans and flip-flops all the time. Even in church, like that would be amazing. And there's green hills and beautiful. And I just, I just thought that would be so cool. And God had other plans. He called me to Spokane, Washington, and it looks nothing like San Diego and it gets freezing cold, colder than it does here in Boise. And uh, man, like, like, but at the end of the day, this wasn't about me choosing a place that I wanted or I liked. This is about, God, what is your plan for my life? What is your will for my life? And how do I follow that out? Because no matter where it is that I live, I know there's going to be some mountaintops and there's going to be some valleys, be some hard days, especially in church life and planting a church and moving together as a faith community. I don't want to get to a place where I just, you know, made this up myself and hoped that I worked it out. I wanted to make sure I'd come to that place of, God, I know this is you. I don't want to just try stuff and figure it out. I want to live absolutely dependent on God as much as I can and just do whatever he's commanding me to do. And hopefully that's your desire because that's actually the way that Jesus lived his life. 
Jesus was the model for us. Jesus only ever did what was revealed to him by the Father. I want to show you this in chapter, sorry, John chapter 5, verse 19. It says, Jesus said to them, talking to his disciples, he says, truly, truly, I say to you, the Son can do nothing of his own accord, not just whatever I want, but only what he sees the Father doing. For whatever the Father does, that the Son does likewise. So we say it like this. Jesus lived by revelation. Whatever the Father revealed to Jesus, Son, this is what I want you to do. Son, this is the miracle I want you to perform. Son, this is the town that I want you to preach in. However God the Father revealed himself to Jesus, that alone is what Jesus did. And I don't know about you, but as a child of God, Jesus is like the older brother. We're the younger brothers and sisters. And we're like, Jesus, could you teach us how to live this life? I want to hear the voice of the shepherd. I want to live by revelation. I don't want to just date and take a stab in the dark. I don't want to just move and take a stab in the dark. I don't want to just try different jobs and try different schools and kind of hope it works out. But Lord, I want to live a life where you're speaking to me and I'm following after you and I can know that I'm walking in your paths for my life. I want to invest my life into the places that I know are going to make an eternal difference because someday I'm going to stand before God and I'm going to be accountable for all of this life that I lived and how I invested in it. And I sure don't want to get to that day and think, okay, I just kind of did my own thing. No, God, I want to do what it is that you've called me to do. I remember when I made my first decision to go to college, I grew up in Bend, Oregon, and uh, I was praying about where should I go to college, and you know, some of my friends were going to really schools all over the nation, and, uh, but I had a couple friends that were going to go to the University of Oregon uh, in Eugene, which is where I ended up going to school, and uh, if we had to sit down and you were to say, like, hey, Pastor Dan, like, why did you pick the U of O? Did you just, were you excited about being a duck? It wasn't so much about being a duck, although the ducks always had a pretty good football team, so that was pretty exciting for me, but we had done a little uh, campus visitation, you know, as a junior in high school or senior or something. And my parents drove me over to Eugene. And I remember, like, I knew a couple people that were going to U of O, but they walked me through the dorms and I kind of liked the vibe in the dorms. And that's basically what I made my decision on. Didn't have to do with, didn't have to do with what major I was pursuing. It didn't have to do with any quality of education or how close or far it was from my house. I just got into this environment. I'm like, I like the feel of this place right here. I think I'm going to do that. And, and I look back at that decision and I go, oh my gosh, what a poor choice. Someone should have educated me a little bit more. And, uh, as the Lord would have it, I ended up moving to Nampa and doing my second and third years of college here in Nampa. And then I got involved in this local church that had a young adult Bible training, Bible school program. And so I did my fourth and fifth years of college in the context of my local church. But it was in that environment where I had a pastor and he actually began to teach me how to pray and began to teach me how to read my Bible and began to teach me how to hear the voice of God. I served on the worship team. And I just remember in God's presence as we were worshiping, just practicing, God, what are you saying to me? And, and what are you leading me to do right now? And just over that year, taking that year or two of my life and just really learning to hear the voice of God. And it was in that season where I started to discern the call of God on my life. I look back and I'd spent a lot of my educational years uh, 
pursuing music and pursuing business and taking all kinds of music theory classes and economics and all this stuff. And then uh, my, my fourth and fifth year of college, I started to get this sense that like, God's really called me to be a pastor and be in the ministry. And I need to give myself to the word and doctrine and theology. And I already had spent at that time probably seventy dollars or $80,000 on college before I learned to hear the voice of God and realize like, I'm not really supposed to do all that. Now, God in his goodness, he uses it all. He's a redeemer and, and he's, you know, he really has used some of those, those years of education. But I always try to tell young people, learn to hear the voice of God before you spend years of your life and tens of thousands of dollars of your parents' money going out and spending on college. Let's go. Amen. Come on, some parents are like, yes, teach my kids to hear the voice of God. It would have been so good for me. And I've just learned that I don't want to live a life where God's got to work around me. Even though he's going to use all of the decisions and the mistakes and the, the stuff that I've done, he's going to use it for my good as the Bible promises. He's going to work it all together for good. I don't want to live a life where he has to try to work it all of the time. I don't want a relationship with God where he has to work in spite of me. I actually want a relationship with God where I do everything I can to be clear. God, what is your will and what are you leading me to? And how do I lay my life down to be in alignment with who you are and what you're saying? I don't want to ask God to bless what I'm doing. I want to do what God is blessing. Oh, that deserved a better amen. I don't, come on, you guys love, love the Bible, love Jesus, right? I don't want to just go, okay, God, here's my plan. Please bless what I'm doing. I want to I wanna go, God, what, it is, what is it that you are blessing? And how do I put my life in alignment with that? What are you building? Where are you moving? What are you speaking? And that's why I think it's so important that we have series like this. We just talk about how do we hear the voice of God? What do we, what do we learn about it? So let me just share a few thoughts on why it's so important to hear the voice of the shepherd. I'm just going to emphasize this a little bit why it's so important. And this has been um, the stuff that you've already been talking about. We just want to bring some emphasis and kind of some of the things the Lord's been working in me through it. Uh, number one, I already mentioned this, but let me just say it again. The core distinctive of a follower of Jesus is hearing God's voice and obeying it. What makes us different from everybody else on the planet? We are God's special people that hear his voice and live it out and obey it. And man, I've just come to believe this with all of my heart. This is what it is to be a Christian. This is what it is to be a disciple, which is the word that the Bible uses to talk about Christians. The word Christian is only used three times in the New Testament. The word disciple is used about 297 times. So it's the idea. Following Jesus, following him. Well, how am I going to follow him? I got to know what he's saying. It's more than just ascribing to a certain set of beliefs. Well, here's the faith statement. Here's the doctrine. I believe that Jesus came and lived and died and rose again on the third day. No, this is a relationship with a person who speaks to us. Followers of Jesus, they hear from God. They notice what he's up to. They live by revelation. One of my favorite verses that I know you've been talking about in this series is John chapter 10. John chapter 10 is this passage where it's talking about the relationship between Jesus, our shepherd, and who we are as his sheep. This is what it says, starting in verse two. It says, he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. That's Jesus. To him, the gatekeeper opens. The sheep hear his voice. And he calls his own sheep by name and he leads them out. When he has brought out all his own, he goes before them and the sheep follow him. Why? For they know 
his voice. Stranger they will not follow, but they'll flee from him, for they don't know the voice of the strangers. I am the good shepherd, Jesus says later on. I know my own sheep, and they know me. How do we know if we know him? We know him if we hear his voice and we follow him. This is how Jesus describes it in John 10 here. Later on in John chapter eight, a few chapters before this, this is how he says in verse 27, he says, whoever is of God hears the words of God. The reason why you do not hear them is you're not of God. He's talking to the Pharisees. So if you are of God, you hear God's voice. If you're not, you don't hear God's voice. And literally, this is the difference between somebody that's living without Jesus and hasn't been born again the way Jesus talks about and someone who then receives Jesus and welcomes him into their life and they get born again. Jesus taught in John chapter three that we're born the first time in the natural with flesh, right? Flesh and blood of water, the Bible says. So, so we, have, we have natural hearing and natural senses, eyesight and taste and smell and all that. We're born into the natural, but he says there's a second birth. There's this second opportunity where it isn't your physical body or your soul that comes alive, the way you think and what you feel. It's actually the spiritual part of you that's born again. That part of you that God created to connect with the spiritual realm, ultimately to connect with him. And when his Holy Spirit comes and dwells inside of your spirit, it comes alive. And now you're able to interact with the spiritual realm and you will hear the voice of God. It's what it means to be born again and be a Christian. So if you're in the room and you've had that experience, you've said, I want to follow you. I want you in my life. Jesus, come and dwell in me. If you've been born again, you can absolutely hear the voice of God. Amen. Amen. And and I think the enemy tries to do everything he can to steal that confidence. I see this as we travel and speak. I see this all over my church all the time. We do these little surveys. What are you struggling with? What's your next step? And there's always this insecurity like, I don't know if I'm really hearing him. I don't know if he really speaks to me. You know, it's those special people that have certain spiritual gifts. It's like the prophetic people. I'm not one of those super spiritual people. I'm just trying to survive. Just trying to get to work. Just trying to stay married. Just trying to keep it together. You know, I don't know about this hearing God stuff, but can I just let you know with confidence, if you have been born again of God's spirit, you can hear the voice of God. If you are a sheep, like Jesus said, you will hear the voice of your shepherd. So you can know, I'm a candidate. God wants to speak to me. He's going to. This is how the Apostle Paul describes it in 1 Corinthians chapter 2. He starts out by talking about someone who's not born again. He calls him the natural person. He says, the natural person does not accept the things of the Spirit of God for their folly to him, their foolishness. They don't make sense. He's not able to understand them because they're spiritually discerned. And his spirit isn't alive, so he can't discern spiritual things. But that's the person before they're born again. Here's how he talks about the person after they've been born again. Two verses later. Who has understood the mind of the Lord so as to instruct him? He says, we have the mind of Christ. Those of us who've been born again, we understand what Jesus is thinking, what Jesus is saying, what Jesus is doing. We can hear from God when we're born again. We've got that spiritual capacity to receive from heaven. Is is there any confidence kind of rising in the room as I'm talking about this? Like something should stir up inside of you. You're like, yeah, 
God can speak to me. God can lead me. It's going to be awesome. Let me tell you this, though. Here's, here's the second important thought. The primary way that we discern the voice of God is through his word. Can I get an amen? amen. Now, his word, the Bible, it's not the only way that God speaks to us, but it is the filter through which we actually and accurately discern what God is saying to us. Now, I want everybody in God's family to be able to hear from the Holy Spirit and know, okay, God's speaking to me by his spirit. He's just whispering to me. And this is something that we see happen again and again and again in the New Testament. Let me just give you some references. Acts chapter eight, the spirit said to Philip, go over and join the chariot. So we see the spirit talking directly to Philip. Acts 13, while they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, set apart for me Barnabas and Saul to the work that I've called them. The Spirit speaking directly. Hebrews chapter three. Therefore, as the Holy Spirit says, today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts, right? That's the Spirit speaking. Revelation chapter two. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit is saying to the churches. So it's such an important thing to cultivate. We want to hear what the Spirit of God is speaking. But here's the thing about that. We can get it wrong. Amen. Yeah? How many of you guys have ever been around somebody else that got it wrong? I'm hearing, I'm not asking you to admit when you got it wrong. Like those other less spiritual people that got it wrong, you know what I'm saying? Like, like we, we can actually mix it up and it can hurt people. Sometimes we can bring our own agenda our own emotions. We can even hear it right from God, but we can misapply what he actually means with what he said. We bring our own frame of reference, our own cognitive bias into it. Here's what I think. Here's what I believe. Here's how I see. And God speaks into it. And all of a sudden we can twist it or manipulate it or mix it up. I remember um, when I was going to NNU, there was this girl and uh, we'd become friends and there was a little bit of chemistry between us, but I was pretty sure I didn't want to date this girl. Um, I had, you know, just some stuff going on in my life and in my heart and maybe interested in some other people. And so I was purposely friend zoning this girl, you know what I'm talking about? Like we can be friends and that's cool, but you kind of got to stay here. And, uh, but she was fun. And so we'd spend time together. I remember we went out to the corn maze one time. We're hanging out or whatever. And I'm just trying to keep it in the friend zone, keep it safe, not really dating. But I could tell maybe she had some feelings, but I was trying to, trying to not. And then, um, then, one, then over, over the, the year, eventually at the end of the year, I ended up um, meeting and falling deeply in love with the woman who's now my wife, Jamie. And uh, we went on a trip and we came back and we started our dating relationship on the trip. And I remember I wanted to let this girl know that I had started this relationship with Jamie. And I was like, we're cool. You know, we haven't been dating. I haven't crossed any physical boundaries. We're in the friend zone. Everything's fine. And I said, hey, I just want you to know I, I'm so excited. Uh, I started this relationship and I have a girlfriend. And she just started bawling right there in the moment, just crying. And I was just like, oh, I thought we were okay. What's going on? Turns out that another lady in our church had given her a prophetic word that I was supposed to be her husband. And so she's living in this thought, like God already told me who I'm supposed to get married to because someone shared this prophetic word. And then I came back and said, hey, I have this girlfriend. I'm like head over heels in love with her. And her heart broke. And she actually walked away from church and the Lord for several years before the Lord brought her back in his mercy. But she went through a seriously rough time all because somebody else got it wrong. Somebody else had a little agenda, 
little matchmaking itch or something. And what's crazy is that lady, she actually had a pretty amazing gift from God. She, she could be used powerfully and like word of knowledge, new things about people that were amazing. And I don't know what happened, but somehow she had missed it from the Holy Spirit on this one. And now after 19 wonderful years of marriage, I can confidently say she missed it. I'm, I'm in the will of God with my wife. But, but we gotta be careful because if it's just the Spirit, if it's just that objective, who, who knows? We can mess it up, we can get it wrong. And, and we gotta be careful that we don't mix what we actually think and feel with what God is actually saying. And sometimes we do that, and at Sun City Church, this is our word for it, we call it the God card. You ever have anyone play the God card on you? Like, hey, um, I want this thing to happen, and I just want you to know that God told me that it's supposed to happen. People do this all the time to me as a pastor, all the time. Hey, so there's this new Elevation song that just came out on Spotify. God wants us to play that here (laughs) at Sun City Church. I don't know if you've heard this Lion album, but it's amazing. God wants to do it for Easter. He does. That's the God card. I don't know if you know this, Pastor Danny, but God wants me to sing on the worship team. God wants me to be on staff. <laughs> You're like, like, oh, does he? Because he hadn't told me that, and I know him too. Like, how does this work? You know, and, and I just want to encourage you. This is what we tell our church all the time. Take the God card and put it back in your pocket and just have an actual conversation. Hey, I really like this song. Do you think we could do it sometime? Hey, I have a dream in my heart about where I might want to serve someday. Is there a development small group I can get involved with? Hey, like what, what is it that is really going on? And when we put that God card into the relationship, it can actually destroy the relationship because nobody wants to argue with God. So if I go to you and say, hey, God told me that we're supposed to go do this and you have to go like, I don't think he did. You feel like you're arguing with God. So you're like, nah, Okay, whatever you, whatever you want, whatever. It actually, it tears apart the fabric of the relationship. So all the time, we're, we're coaching our people. Don't come and tell other people. Don't come tell the pastor, God told me to. Hey, I have this feeling. I have this thought. I've been thinking about this. What do you think? Let's have a conversation. It builds relationships. But ultimately, what, it, what is so important is understanding all of those feelings, all of those thoughts, the things that we think the Holy Spirit's saying, they have to come under the authority of the scriptures. How do we know whether they're true or not true? Well, they gotta pass the test. There's lots of ways that God speaks to us through prophecy and the peace of God and wise counsel, but I love this idea that the Bible is like the Supreme Court over all the other little district courts, you know? All those other ways that God's going to speak to us, they're like the other district courts making decisions and trying to make things happen. But you got to go up to the very highest court of the land and decide, God, what is your will and what is you, do you want? And that is where the Bible comes into play. It sits supreme over all the other ways that God is going to speak to us. I love how the late Dr. Kevin Connor said it. He says, the scriptures are the only inspired and infallible divine revelation ever given to man and are the supreme authority in all matters of faith and morals. So when we talk about hearing God, hearing the voice of God, I think the most important thing to understand is God will speak to me primarily and most trustworthily by his word. In fact, there's a couple 
Greek words that we see in the Greek New Testament. I want to give these to you today. These might be familiar to you or they might not be, but they're two Greek words that get translated into our one English word, word. And one is logos and one is rhema. So logos is a Greek word that is referencing the written word, what's written down in the text. And we're translating Greek written words to English written words and that's why we have different translations as we're trying to understand what did the Greek in that day mean to us now. And that's the logos. That's the written word. And the rhema is referencing the spoken word of God. It's that word that comes out of his mouth, that which he is speaking through another vessel that he is speaking by his spirit. It's what Romans is talking about when it says in verse 17 of chapter 10. So faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of Christ. That's that rhema word. It's, it's that which is declared and spoken. And when that happens, faith comes into our hearts. That's, that's rhema. Here's my challenge for you today. Read the logos until you get a rhema. Read the Bible. God, I want to hear you. I want you to speak to me. Well, how do I know if he's going to speak to me? Just keep reading. Well, God, you haven't spoken to me yet. Just keep reading. Well, God, I, I haven't heard you and I, I got this big decision coming up. Just keep reading. Keep reading the logos and here's the habit that I would suggest you do. Read it with a highlighter. Take a highlighter out and, and mess up your Bible. God, where are you speaking to me? Every single year from my life, I buy a brand new Bible and I get a new highlighter. And every year I'm highlighting, highlighting, highlighting. God, what are you speaking to me? I want to read the logos until all of a sudden in the middle of it, I'm like, oh, that's for me. I'm having a thought, I'm having a moment, I'm having a, a revelation, Something, something's popping out of me. Okay, God, what are you speaking to me by your word? Like I referenced before Matthew chapter four, man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. I love Psalm 119. Open my eyes that I may behold wondrous things out of your law. I pray that Psalm every time I open my Bible. God, open my eyes, Lord. I don't wanna just see what's written. I want the spirit of God to make the scripture come alive to me, that you can lead me and guide me by your word. When something jumps out at me, man, I write it down in my journal, and then I'm confident God is speaking to me. In fact, this morning, I got up really early. I did my regular Bible reading plan, and some scriptures jumped out on me, and I highlighted them, and then I began to journal, God, what it is that you're saying to me about this specifically for my life, my marriage, my church. Like, this is something you're emphasizing about faith right here. And I'm confident. Like, I'm not confused, did God speak to me today? Now, I can tell you exactly what he spoke to me. I can give you the verse that he said and what it meant to me and the journal. Like, I can go back with this place of confidence. I know my shepherd is leading me by his voice. Amen? Come on, read the logos till you get it right. Here's the, here's the third thought. And I just want to, just to underscore this idea. The most significant Christian discipline that will cause a Christian to grow in Christ is regular Bible reading and meditation. There is nothing more important that you can do in your relationship with God than regularly read the Bible and meditate on what it says. Psalm 119, verse 11. I have stored up your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Joshua chapter one. This book of the law, talking about the scriptures, shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night that you may be careful to do according to all that it's written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous and then you'll have good success. How do I know if I'm going to be successful and do what God wants me to do? 
Take this book and make it your daily meditation day and night. They've done all kinds of research into Christianity and churches and how do we help people become mature disciples? How do we help them grow in their relationship with Christ? And they've, they've surveyed hundreds and hundreds of churches and literally thousands and thousands of people. And what they have found is that biblical engagement is the number one predictor of spiritual maturity. If you want to know how do people grow, it's do they read the Bible regularly and consistently? Do they memorize it and meditate on it? Are they in it? Here's what Parkinson and Hawkins say. Of all the spiritual practices, prayer, confession, tithing, journaling, solitude, serving, worship, we find that one stands out. Scripture reflection, more than any practice, moves people forward in their love for God and their love for others. And this isn't something that we just find as like modern day American Christianity. This is actually what we see in the Bible. My, my team and I, we did this uh, in-depth survey of all of the character and competencies of Jesus and all the character and competencies of the disciples in the book of Acts. So we went through all four gospels. We said, what kind of Jesus, person is Jesus and what are the things that Jesus does? Again and again and again. And anything that we saw about him, we just marked on a sheet and we figured out like, what does Jesus do the most? And I would have thought that it might've been miracle working or teaching or healing. But do you know the number one competency that we saw that was so resident in Jesus that was also showed up in the disciples that he made in the book of Acts? The number one thing that we saw again and again and again was that Jesus knew and quoted scripture. And the disciples knew and quoted scripture. You read the Gospels, you'll see he just says it is written. It has been said. You have heard that it's been said. He just says it again and again. He's quoting it, he's quoting it. It's because he built his life on the word of God. And all that is so important, but it all falls short unless we, we, we get this last one that I want to share with you, is that when you combine regular Bible reading with Bible living, you tap into a powerful combination that sets your life on an amazing course. And this is where I think, um, I think in our 21st century American context, sometimes we fall a little short. We call this the HD life. HD stands for hearing and doing. And if you want to take this whole idea of the voice of the shepherd to the next level, um, what you have to do is start to go, okay, I don't want to be someone that just hears and hears and hears but I actually want to be someone that lives differently because of what I'm hearing. We've got to take some action. Can I get an amen? Amen. amen. So let me, let me give you a couple scriptures. Jesus says this, Luke chapter 11, verse 28. Blessed rather are those who hear the word of God and keep it. He ties them together in his teaching. Here's what James says, James chapter one. But be doers of the word, not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he's like a man who looks intently at his natural face in a mirror for he himself, he looks at himself and he goes away and once he forgets what he looks like. Notice what he says. Be doers of the word, not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. James says, if we're the kind of Christians that hear the word and 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 hear the word, but we never do it. We never actually put it into practice in our life. What happens? We deceive ourselves. Well, what does that look like? The way that we deceive ourselves is we start to believe that just because we're hearing it, it means we're actually doing it. 
And this is, this is the status of tons of American Christianity in the 21st century because we are inundated with hearing the word. We get the word on Sunday morning. We get the word on the podcast. We subscribe to the YouTube channel. We see other people's live stream on Facebook. We see it, we see it, we hear it, we hear it, we know about it. It's everywhere. We read it in the Bible. We read it in the devotional. We read it in, on the way to work. We drive with it. We're listening to it. Like it's around and it's around and it's around. The, the question is, are we not hearing it? The question is, are we actually living it out? And we like it. So if you've been following Jesus a while, you start, you start to like it. So your pastor gets up here and preaches something, says, this is what God has for us. And you say, amen. And you start to think that just because you say amen and wrote it down and took a note, that that means you've actually lived something. But it doesn't. All that it means is you actually heard something. You get the difference? This is huge. I spent years of my life teaching and training young adults and Bible college students and young people. Like, we're really good at sitting and laughing and listening and saying amen. But when it comes down to do we actually live it out, that part's a whole lot harder, yeah. right? Like, like, how many of us can even remember what Pastor Rhett preached about three weeks ago? Awful quiet in this church. We don't know, right? Even right after church, you go, to, you go to lunch 30 minutes later after service, like, man, how was church today? Oh, so good. Yeah, what did, what did the pastor preach on? Ah, so good. It was awesome, man. It was funny. He had this illustration. Oh, my goodness. It was, you just had to be there. It was incredible. It's because we're like, we're used to hearing it and being entertained, but the question is like, are we actually applying it to our life? And Jesus told a parable about this that you might have heard. Of. I heard of this parable growing up, and I just missed the whole point. This is Jesus, Matthew chapter 7. He says this, verse 24. Everyone who hears the words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. And when the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat on the house, it did not fall because it had been founded on the rock. And everyone who hears the words of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. And when the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat against the house, it fell and the great was the fall of it. Now, I grew up in Sunday school and I would listen to this parable. And what I thought that they were teaching, I thought this is what Jesus meant, is that there was a guy who built his house upon the rock. In fact, I think there was an old school Sunday school song. Wise man built his, you know I don't know, any Sunday school people. Uh, I thought that the guy that built his house upon the rock was the one that was like in church and being a good person and listening to Jesus. And, you know, and the guy that built his house upon the sand must have been the guy that was out of church worshiping the devil or something. <laughs> the guy who was like stealing from his neighbors and setting houses on fire and doing crazy stuff like like, that's the guy who builds his houses on the sand. I want to be a good person who follows Jesus and does what he said. That's not what Jesus' parable says. He says there were two guys that heard his word. They both heard the word of God. One guy heard the word of God and did what he said. The other guy was in church. He heard the word of God. He heard the voice of the shepherd, but he didn't do what he said. He was probably deceived. He became a professional hearer. He loved to listen to it, but he never applied it to his life. He never did anything with it. So when the storm came, and it always comes. This isn't the last hard thing we're going to go through here in 2020, 2021, 2022. 
There are going to be some other storms in the future. And how we know if we've built a house that's going to stand isn't just if we know what to do because God's speaking to us. Is Did I build a life that was in alignment doing what he's called me to do? I don't want to live a life where I just am a hearer. I want to live a life where I'm a doer. Let me just wrap up. Worship team, you can come back to the stage. Let me just give you four quick thoughts. Like, how, how do I do it? Lightning round. How do I do it? You need a spot. Where do you connect with God? Is it in your car? Is there a certain comfy chair? I got this comfy chair that's like, it's my spot. And I really only sit in that chair if I'm ready to, to hear from God and try not to mix it up and use it for other things. I'm like, this is my God spot. And every time I sit there, it like puts me in that mindset, that frame of reference. Like, God, speak to me from your words. Speak to me by your spirit, God. It's not like that's the only place I can hear from God, but it's like, this is intentional. This is my, this is my spot. Jesus got away from the crowds and went into the wilderness. Let me ask you the question, where do you get away? Where's your spot? You need a spot. Here's the second one. You need a slot. Spot in a slot. Come on, someone say spot in a slot. Like a, a time slot in your calendar. Where is your appointment with God? So often we treat God like, I oh, would we'll just fit him in in the cracks. He can speak to me if he wants to, you know. He knows where I am. If he needs me, he can find me. What if you treated God more like you treat like a dentist appointment? Like I better show up a little early and do the paperwork. I better make sure I get on time because I don't want to miss this. There might be some pain if I miss it. Like you make an appointment with God and you keep it. Now, can I just say God's a lot better than the dentist? Come on, somebody. He's actually the one that removes anxiety instead of bringing it into your life. But if you put an appointment on your calendar, like this is when I meet with God. You establish this habit in the morning, in the evening, in noontime, man, whatever it would be, God, I, I got my, my spot that I go, got my slot when I do it. Here's the third one. You need a plan. You need a, a plan. And at Sun City, we've developed this tool, and I asked Pastor Ed if I could just share this tool with you. We developed this journal that we call the HD Journal. HD stands for Hearing and Doing. And, um, you know, we, we make it available online. If you want to pick one up, you can. Um, but it's just a way for us to practice these habits. How am I hearing his voice? And then how am I doing it? What, how am I putting it into practice? I don't want to just be someone that goes through religious motions and has devotions. Lord, I want to live out what you're speaking. And so um, if you want to, you could pick one of those up. But honestly, you don't have to buy my fancy journal. Like you could just use a blank piece of paper and just, God, what are you saying to me? And write it out. And how, what am I going to do differently? And begin to write that out and begin to walk it out and do it. You need a spot, you need a slot, you need a plan. And the last one, you need your people. You need to journey with God, hearing his voice, doing what he says with community because how many of you guys know this is the way we've been de designed to live? Like if God begins to speak to me, hey, you know, you had a bad attitude with your wife and you need to go back and repent to her and tell her that you were wrong and you're sorry and you'll never do it again. Um, how many of you guys know every once in a while, I'm like, oh, I don't really want to have that conversation. This is just me. Am I the only unspiritual one in the room? And how many of you guys know it's better for me if I actually tell some brothers in Christ, like, hey, here's what God's speaking to me. And then next week I show up to group and they're like, hey, so uh, did you have that conversation with your wife? What conversation? You know, the one where you're supposed to repent because your bad attitude, did you actually have it? No. Okay. Well, group's over. 
Go call your wife. Come back when you've actually had that conversation. Like, I need people in my life to call me on my stuff. We need people. That's why you got to be in small group. That's why you got to go through discover classes. We got to get connected to community. We're not designed to do it on our own. We're actually better when there's systems of accountability and structure, people that love us enough to speak the truth in love, as Ephesians chapter says, and, and tell each other the truth. So I got to find my, my spot, my slot. I got to get a plan. And I got to get some people. And I got to start being accountable and go, okay, God, help me grow in all that you're calling me to become. Help me hear your voice more and more every day. And God, let me live out what it is you're calling me to live out so I can build my life upon the firm foundation of the rock of hearing and doing. Can you do this for me? Can you bow your heads one life? Maybe you're here today and you're like, man, I want to live that life. I want to do what God says. I want to hear his voice. But maybe you just feel like you're just far from that spot. It's like, maybe you don't even feel like you've ever heard the voice of God and you're not even sure if he's speaking to you or not or what this is all about. Or maybe, you, maybe you've heard it in the past, but you've kind of wandered away and life went crazy and it's just like, ah, I just, I just need to get close to him again. I need to come back. Can I tell you the most important step in hearing the voice of God is what we already talked about at the beginning. You gotta be born again got to have your spirit come alive inside of you. It's the part of you that's able to hear from God. And maybe you're here today and maybe you've never had that experience. You've never trusted Jesus with your life and asked him to come into your life and renew you. Or maybe you did it a while back, but you kind of wandered away and done your own thing. And you're just ready to say like, Jesus, I need you. I want to come back home. And if you're here in that place, I just want to give you an opportunity just to say, yep, Pastor Danny, that's me. I'm ready to make a decision. I want to give my life to Jesus. I want to follow Jesus. I want him to come into my life and make me whole and make me new and forgive me of my sin. And I want to be born again so I can hear the voice of God and do what he wants me to do. If that's you and you're just ready to make that choice, maybe for the first time or maybe for the first time in a while, you're just ready to say, God, that's me. I'm ready. If that's you, would you do something bold? Would you just lift your hand when I count to three? One, two, three. Come on, let's lift it up in this place if that's you. Amen. God bless you. He's so proud of you. Best decision you could make in your life. That's awesome, my man. So proud of you. Anybody else? God, just, I just need you. I just want to rededicate my life to you. Let's pray this prayer all together. Let's mean this with everything inside of us. I believe God's going to do a miracle in your heart, in your life right now. Let's just pray this together. Say this, Father God, I believe in you. I believe in your son, Jesus, who came to earth, lived a perfect life and died on the cross for my sin. And right now I confess all of my sin before you. I ask you to wash me clean and make me new in you. God, I give you my life. I make you my Lord. Fill me with your Holy Spirit that I could live a life that pleases you in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Amen. Hey, can we just celebrate with those that made that decision today? Come on, we're so proud of you. Come on, let's celebrate.